When you are first introduced into the world of adventure education and challenge courses, one of the first things you're taught is how to belay. What I often find when people come to trainings or I go out on the road and I'm training is that those people who have belayed before tend to have really improved in relationship to their facilitation skill, the way that they frame their activities, but their belay skills often have room for improvement. So in this episode, I'm going to be touching on three different tips that can enhance your belay technique. The first is belay stance, the position in which your legs are on the ground or your feet are on the ground. This is something I find that I have to remind people of the most because especially when you're new to learning how to belay, you get very focused on hand position and the actions at which your hands are performing in the P-Bus method, the pull, break, under, and slide, you're focused very heavily on those actions. And it makes sense. Those are the actions that are going to ensure that the rope stays in a break position, that you're sliding rope through the belay device. But what sometimes gets forgotten is the position that we stand. Traditionally, I like to you do an activity prior to teaching belaying that is the same activity I often do when I'm trying to teach spotting, which is called palm off. That's a hard activity to try to explain in audio, but essentially what you're trying to do is you start off with a partner, your feet stand together. You're about the shortest arm's distance apart from your partner. With your hands up, you're trying to uh, knock the person off balance by putting pressure against their hands, by tapping their hands. Only hands are allowed to attach hands. You can't kick anyone in the shins or push them in the chest or any of those things to try to make them take a step off balance. And there are five rounds to this. Uh, The first round is feet together. The second round I have to do is feet apart, just a wider than shoulders distance apart. The third round is often heel to toe. The fourth round is one leg in the air. And then the fifth round is in an athletic stance. And it's those different positions that we stand in during the game that we get to reflect on what positions feel stable and which positions don't particularly feel stable. And hopefully through that learning experience, we know which position we should be standing in, sort of reinforces the behavior that I should try to stand in an athletic stance due to the wide surface area, the wide base that we're creating, the ability to bend your knees and react to different forces against you. Because no matter how good your belay actions are in that pull, the break, and the under, and the slide, if someone was either equal to your weight or heavier than you and they fall or they start to lower and if you're in a bad stance you're going to get dragged out of position and the discomfort of being dragged often relates especially to new time belayers into them not doing exactly what they should do with their hands which could be detrimental to having or lead to having the rope slide and the person lower too quickly so i do think that belay stance is a particularly important one and it's often one that is forgotten And I notice it even more so sometimes with those experienced belayers because we get into old habits, especially something maybe like a traversing element where we're moving along the path of the climber and we forget to stand in that position. So we go to our natural default stance, which is sometimes not a great stance for us to stand in. The second would be uh, when it comes to lowering the participants to ensure that both hands on the brake strand of the rope, so the rope going down towards the ground, and we don't leave a hand on the rope going up towards the climber. I see this as well in rest when, you know, the climber has rested and stopped halfway up a climb, and people stand in a ready position with their left hand if they're right-handed or right hand if they're left-handed. 
up on that rope towards the climber. And that really is not serving too much of a purpose because if someone was to fall or if I'm lowering someone, my hand is up there, I'm actually holding a lot of their weight with that hand and I'm not allowing the belay device, whatever device that is, to actually add friction and assist me in the lowering process or the ability to break them in a fall. Getting in a habit of lowering both of those hands and making sure that they're directly down in between the legs. It doesn't need to be pulled off to the right-hand side or the left-hand side, dependent on your belay hand dominance. Keeping those hands down is going to ensure that, that you're maintaining good strength with them and maintaining that brake position because I want to utilize the friction on that device. I don't want to rely on my muscular strength. Belaying should not be left only to those who are physically strong or particularly heavier than the climber. Which leads us to my next piece, which is position when lowering a participant down to the ground. Now, for those people who know me, I am a particularly light and uh, small-framed person. So that means that most people that I belay, and I mainly belay adults uh, as a trainer, so I'm belaying people who are often heavier than me. And so I've had to really utilize friction and position and leg stance and all of those different components to ensure that I can lower them without getting lifted. No climber likes to see their belayer join them in the air. I really try to train people to get into a good practice of stance and position to ensure they're not getting lifted. And having a, a backup anchor, having someone on your back to keep you grounded is great. But it's also, also not great if you just fully rely on the anchor person, because then you often get flown like a kite in the air, like a human kite. And that's uncomfortable for you. You might be kept from flying up higher, but you're going to be pulled by your harness. As the rope is going upwards, pulling in one direction, the anchor is pulling the other, the sides of the harness get closer. And so it does impact on your hip. That's not comfortable. People who have experienced this know this. So two main things that you can do to try to improve your ability to lower people who are heavier than you. One is notice the angle that is created from the climber up to the belay gear up top and then down to you. It forms a triangle. And if you step further and further away from that climber, you increase and create this obtuse angle. And in doing so as well, you reduce friction. You're stopping the rope from standing in its natural position and having that very tight angle where it's where the both strands of the rope are facing straight down parallel. When you step back, the reason people do that is to get a better vantage point, so they don't have to crane their neck as much. But the problem with that, especially if you're a lighter belayer, is that you are going to get dragged. As soon as someone gets lower, you're going to get dragged. You're going to create those 11s in the ground, which slides you towards the middle. And if you know that's the case, you're going to get slid towards the middle. You could already be there. So what I recommend people do is get to a position if they're going to lower someone, that, and if the person's standing comfortably, unweighted, they can, you can easily do this. You're going to walk closer to that person. So if it's traversing element, you might be underneath them. If it's uh, on a climbing wall, you might be right up against the wall with your feet um, up against that wall bracing. That could be also helping you. And, then the, and what that does is, as I sort of elicited to, that's going to increase the friction by decreasing that big angle. You make much more of an acute angle. That's going to increase the friction, give you much more control. And then the other thing you do is also can lower your body to the ground. So to take a knee. And you do that by sitting in your harness and sliding the rope through, almost like you're rappelling. And you're sliding down until you get to your knee touching the ground. Now you're lowering your core. You're widening your stance if you can as well with your legs. And you get yourself really grounded very well. And that's also going to prevent you from lifting. The combination of those two has often worked very well for me that I'm able to lower someone. So being able to do that is going to be really advantageous for you being able to control the lower. 
and so you're not get, getting that feeling of being dragged. Because I do notice as I'm training that lighter belayers get very uncomfortable belaying people heavier than themselves. So having that practice is going to be good because you're not always going to have the option to have someone else trade you in the belay if you're concerned about the weight. So getting used to that can be really helpful. So in summary, think about your feet position in your stance. Keep both hands on the brake when you're lowering and consider your position in relationship to the climber when lowering, especially if you're lowering someone that's larger than yourself. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Please share, please follow, and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>